Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City-based jazz keyboardist, composer, and producer, Angela Ward. I caught her live at the Blue Room off 18 and Vine in mid-March 2022, and we had a talk about her life and music. She performs regularly around the Kansas City metro area with her band and freelances with other groups. Especially now, as the world wakes up, she's at it again. She always brings a rare blend of fusion, jazz, and classical to all she plays. She writes and arranges for the internationally known JWB, or the James Ward Band. Her journey on the Keys began at three, and that led her to graduate from Florida A&M University, where she majored in computer information systems and minored in music performance. She's got quite a unique story. Enjoy. Thanks for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. I appreciate it. Oh, no worries. I'm glad that I could be selected to even participate. This oh, is an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a wonderful time watching you perform at the Blue Room a few weeks ago. And oh, thanks. Yeah, and I'm curious, you know, it, it seems as though it's a family affair for you to play the music and, you know, live gigs are picking up. So how's everything looking right now? Well, it's looking really good. We, uh, we're we really busier than we've ever been prior to even the pandemic. So this is a good time for us. Uh, a lot of people are telling us that they were really impressed and entertained by our basement sessions that we created during the pandemic and i believe that has really attracted a lot of new fans and a, a larger following and uh, placed us in demand more than we had been um prior to the pandemic uh and i you know i owe a lot of that to my son who who really ha- gave us the idea because uh you know James and I we're we're used to analog pretty much and you know perform send out shoot out the email let folks know we're performing and and hey that was it for us but they had another viewpoint which was you know social media create a channel pretty much create new videos and uh channel everybody towards our the JWB official and um, so people won't have to search all over to find us. And um, we created our Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff and, and got all of that uh, going during the pandemic, actually. As a result, as we're coming out of the pandemic, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of work. And um, uh, you may see us at places uh, more. We're, we're at the Soiree, the Blue Room. Uh, Johnny's, uh, B&B Theater, which is also, which is Johnny's, um, Corvino, uh, oh gosh, Stock Hill. We've been just pretty much all over the place here lately. That's wonderful. So, you know, I guess that's been one of the good things about this pandemic. You know, there's been silver linings is that it's created a, a, a way for musicians to be more savvy with technology and production and really mm-hmm. kind of promoting what you're doing and how you're doing it, being being more in control of letting people know. Do you feel like that's the case? Yeah, I do feel like we're pretty much in control of our own destiny right now when it comes to music. You know, times have changed so much, and you you have a a lot more independent artists and a a lot more self-promotion going on with the with the onset of social media, we you know we can take advantage of that now. I, I guess my other part of this pandemic uh, world that we're living in is that 
you know, we all had a lot of time at home to self-reflect, to figure things out. What did you learn about yourself that maybe you didn't realize before that's going to make you stronger as you get out and perform live more? Well, during the pandemic, we had an opportunity to to write and arrange and and improve on technique. Uh, during the pandemic, I had an opportunity to learn a lot more complex tunes. You know, a lot of things that I've been listening to for years. I actually got a chance to sit down and take time out, figure them out, read through them. And I'm really referring to a lot of Herbie Hancock tunes. You probably know I, I study a lot of different artists, Joe Sample, uh, Alex Bouillon, and uh, Bob James. And Herbie Hancock's always been one of those artists who I felt like was far-fetched. So I uh, got a chance to really dig into his style, his phrasing, and and things like that. That's really how I took advantage of that downtime or that just that time at home, all that, you know. It, it was really, you know, digging into some different phrasing. Talk to me a little bit about recordings and how folks could get a hold of music if they want to. Okay, so we're we're still out there on iTunes. I know that's a, a an older platform, but we're on iTunes, eMusic, of course, YouTube. Uh, we we still have CDs on our website uh, available. The jwb.com and hear hear our music there and you can also purchase our music there and our schedule is there as well so that's the jwb.com so let's go back in your life talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and kind of how jazz became your life okay i was born and raised in tallahassee florida uh i started playing at a very early age. I had a love for music. I would say I was about three when I started trying to bang things out on the piano. Just like my son Jalen who started playing when he was three, playing drums when he was three. So I played by ear for many, many years and then at age 12 I started taking piano lessons, classical music. So I studied um, classical music for eight years and in doing so, I participated in a lot of the, the solo uh, piano uh, competitions, and I would always make state every year, and because of that, I did a lot of traveling uh, in classical music. So, actually, classical is my base. Of course, I grew up playing in church, and uh, so it was basically gospel and classical is what I did. And then when I went to college, Florida and University, I majored in computers and minored in music, which was, which was, you know, pretty bizarre to a lot of people, but that's what I did. And, um, when I started music in college, I did classical and jazz. So I was actually introduced to jazz in college, improvisation and all of that. I, uh, uh, studied with Lindsay Sargent, who's actually the arranger for the world-renowned Marching 100. So um, I uh, studied jazz there, and I met James Ward there, actually. 
in uh, 1989. So uh, he uh, and I started playing together at that time, uh, playing around town in different bands and um, and in church. So I started digging more into jazz as you know as the years went went by and. And I uh, really enjoyed it. Once I once we got married in '93, he started his band in '90. Mm, it was like '97 or '8, but there were opportunities for us to play, you know, throughout because we played together and and the 100 most orchestra, influential orchestra together, and we played around town a lot. He and his brother Andy, we did a lot of playing around town and um in church and then James formed his band in ninety eight and then it's pretty much history from there. The JWB started in nineteen ninety eight and we've been playing together ever since. So what's the best part of being in this band? I mean you, it's been going on for so long. I mean it's obviously family, but what has been the greatest part of seeing this band grow and evolve? Wow, wow. Right now I would say the greatest thing about it is having an in-house rhythm section. Um, we can bounce out ideas off of each other all day long. And the the house is, is like a conservatory. And, you know, it's, it's a, a, a nonstop music and production uh, location. <laughs> um it, it, I mean, if you were in our house, if, if you visited, you would think it's more of a, a place of production rather than a home. But mm. I, I think the the plus is uh, that we we get to produce music right at home, conveniently, and um, that that's a major plus. We we've grown and we push each other to try new things all of the time. And I would say that's a plus about us three being, you know, the band and living in, under the same roof. And I can tell, you know, during the performance, you know, you had the electronic keyboard, then you had the acoustic, you had the piano. There's, there's like mm -hmm. two different worlds that are going on. And mm -hmm. your influencers are Oscar Peterson, Chit Corea, Bob James. Mm -hmm. How do those worlds come together? Is it almost as if you're satisfying, you know, two different ids where, you know, they kind of come together and then separate? How does that work for you musically, your voice? I actually enjoy playing acoustic piano more. I know that's hard to believe because I'm always on the electric keyboards, but I actually do enjoy the acoustic piano, and I enjoy um, playing the acoustic the, the same emotions that you tap into for jazz are, you know, exactly the same to me for classical and acoustic. So I I would say, oh, wow, it, it, it's very similar. Of, of course, the, the expression, I feel like it, we could be more expressive with acoustic instrumentation, but uh, with the electric it's uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I actually enjoy the acoustic a lot more, but I do enjoy creating on the electric and and doing more of the funkier stuff. 
on electric. So being a part of the Kansas City Jazz team, what's the greatest part of it? What do you like the best? Like almost kind of like a trade secret, like when the world looks in and sees the Kansas City music scene, especially mm -hmm. the jazz community, what's so special about it? I would say the Kansas City jazz community is more of a family. And I, and I, I can say that I didn't feel that way prior to the pandemic, but I do feel like that the musicians here reach out to one another and look out for each other a whole lot here. Uh, you can call any musician in Kansas City, whether you know them or not, and you can reach out to them, have a conversation like you've known them for years, and you can, you know, you can ask one another to sub for gigs, and, you know, it's all it's always a positive response. Even if someone's not available, it's always a positive response. You, we have a very friendly neighborhood of musicians in Kansas City. So as far as the city is concerned, what do you like the best about Kansas City? Wow. You can find any pace in Kansas City. If you like fast pace, you can find it here. If you like more of a laid-back pace, you can find it here. Kansas City caters to just about anything that you like. Everything is available here. And that's what I've noticed about it for many, many years. There's a gospel scene, there's a jazz scene, there's rock, there's, oh gosh, it's just, there's country, there's just anything that you're interested in, you can find it here in Kansas City. So the other part of you is that you facilitated music education workshops, you're the co-founder of a comprehensive arts institute that promotes musical understanding. Talk to me about that other side aside from playing that is a part of you kind of championing a better understanding and education? Yes, we our goal is to educate as many youth musicians as possible, give those youth that are otherwise would not have the opportunity to take music lessons. Uh, we offer music lessons to, you know, the community um, for free you know, to those that are underprivileged and unable to pay for music lessons. We, it's a three-part program. We have a summer music camp each year that begins uh, after the 4th of July at, at 3700 Woodland Avenue. That summer camp takes place for throughout the entire month of July. And in that music camp, we teach students to play instruments. We introduce them more like a music appreciation depending on their age group. Uh, we we either teach them a music appreciation or actually teach them hands-on how to play instruments. After the summer camp, the second part of our program is after-school lessons, which are either in person or virtually, depending on the parent's preference. And then after the after-school Music lessons, our third section is a workshop that takes place every October. Um, this year it's scheduled for October 16th at the American Jazz Museum. And that workshop is entitled Show and Shed, which we kind of pattern after the, the kid game Show and Share, where the, the, you know, the elementary kids show and share their toys from home. Uh, ours is called show and shed, and shed meaning 
you're coming there to work hard and practice and and shed out some some uh skills on your instrument. So uh, we do that every October. We've been doing that for eight years now. Show and Shed is an eight-year program. But, yeah, we founded the Comprehensive Arts Institute in 2008. And we, during the pandemic, we became a 501c3. So now we're a nonprofit organization that is capable of receiving donations now. So that's uh, that was major for us to um, incorporate and, and become a 501c3 uh, during that pandemic. So, you know, you have the chance to create music and perform and be involved in this art form on a daily basis. What's the greatest part about being a professional musician for you? That we are able to bring some joy to others during the, these dark times. Um, I enjoy the fact that we can reach people with music with this art form and and it, it it's so it's I, I think it's a we're living in a time where people are just looking for an outlet or looking for some relief something that that is positive i love the fact that we can for for however long a three-hour gig i love the fact that for three hours we can play music and and somewhat take all of the worries and cares of the world away for a few hours for for some individuals who are in the audience or who's in who's in listening distance so that's what i love about being able to entertain in these times right now let me ask you this. You know, you're a part of a pretty deep, deep tradition of jazz in Kansas City. I mean, we have a very rich history in this town. What does that mean for you? And what does that mean for you to continue carrying that torch of Kansas City jazz to fans all over the world? Well, I'm glad that I can be a part of the history here. Um, uh, you, You actually don't find too many there are female pianists in Kansas City but you don't find too many female pianists that are you know in the forefront or that are band leaders and and whatnot so I I feel like I'm creating history I'm glad that I could be a part of such rich history as Kansas City has and um I feel like uh, each time that I'm on the stage, I'm sustaining that history or or exemplifying what Kansas City is all about. Speaking of you know live shows and entertainment, what was the first live jazz show that you ever caught that really kind of blew you away? Wow, Chick Corea, electric band at the Emporium on Main Street. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Remember that place? Oh man, I love that place. I miss that place. I do too. Yeah, the Grand Emporium. Yeah, I, that was the one for me. <laughs> I heard one time that after Prince played at Kemper, he went up there and they basically closed the doors. No one knew he was going, and people that walked by that got a ticket could go in, and they said it was an unreal show. Like he wow. just, <laughs> yeah. So talk about winning the Willy Wonka golden ticket right there. 
Exactly. <laughs> that so, is crazy. It is crazy, for sure. So, you know, you've been on the side of things now, as I saw you at the show, where you get to actually feel the musicians and the crowd in a time where music has come back where it's largely been silent for two years. What does it feel like for you, and what does it mean to represent live music and for us to actually have it again? Wow, that's a, that's a tough one. I would say I, I played at an event. I want to say it was last month at um, UMKC, and I would say it was the the largest event that I'd been to since the pandemic. And it was a wonderful feeling to play in front of people. It and you know, I we play in front of people at the at the blue room and at the clubs and at different places, but to be at an a pub a public event where it, it it was it was just so many people. It was unreal. It was like it. I almost could not focus on the music because it was good to see people. I mean, I I can't even describe the feeling it because I had not seen so many people in so long that it was unreal. It, but it was a great feeling to be in the room providing entertainment live entertainment. I, I felt like I had been under a rock for like two years. <laughs> uh, and it it, yeah. it weird, but at the same time, it, it felt good to be out and to provide entertainment. It took a while for me to just get my bearings and realize, okay, we're, this is it, not, a, it, not in, in no negative way at all. It was It was all a positive feeling and a, a great feeling that we're we're coming out of this. It that was, I think I was more concerned about the fact that we were coming out of a pandemic and things are returning back to normal. I think I was more concerned about that than I was about the music that day. It was just great to see people and and yeah. to you know to feel the energy of humans in a room. It was, oh, wow. It it's was overwhelming. It was. It, it, I can't even put it in words. I'm glad that we are returning to an in-person world where we can entertain and and um, give people a, 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 a refreshing sound in person, you know, it it, it was great. I, I did feel like I'd, I'd been in a closet for like two years. And, and you know, you've seen me on stage. You've seen, we've been at the Blue Room and we've been at different places. But but think about it, once we're able to, to actually perform out at festivals and see the people, oh, that's going to be a great feeling. I mean, yeah. I can't wait. It, it's Absolutely. just, you know, something to, it really gave me hope. Yeah, me too, seeing all those shows at the Blue Room. So let's say we get off the phone and a jazz DeLorean time machine pulls up in front of your house and you could go back in time and see anybody live in the history of jazz. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to see? I would love to see, oh gosh, so many people. Bob James is one of them. I wish I could see Chick Corea once again. 
John Patitucci, Marcus Miller, oh my, George Duke, gosh, and definitely my, 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 the last concert that I was able to attend prior to the pandemic was Herbie Hancock in Chicago. And I would love to do that again. Very simply put, why do you love jazz? I love the energy behind jazz. I love that it's unpredictable and you you never know what direction you're going to go in on a performance. You can It's improvisational. You can create on the spot. And one, you never play one song the same way. So it's it's I just absolutely love that spontaneity. Everyone has a perception or an idea of who they think you are: your family, your friends, your fans. But ultimately, you live your life. You have a perception of you. Who do you think you are? Oh my, I am Angela Ward, the musician, the producer, teacher, wife, and mother. <laughs> Right on. That's great. That, that, that gets right to, the, right to the heart of it. Angela, thank you for opening up, taking some time out for Neon Jazz today. Good luck as the world opens up, and I hope I catch you live again. And um, it, It's been wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Florida, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Angela for her time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.